being the parent, being the leader with emotional health and intelligence is paramount. And to do that, the parents need to be aware of their own emotion and what might be in the way. Hello, brave friends. Welcome to this week's episode. It's a practical episode, and we have a returning expert to the show, Chris Ioma, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he has been a great support and colleague to We Are Brave Together. He's been a guest speaker to our in-person events. He's been on the podcast before, and he he actually attended our very first support group when we launched We Are Brave way back in the beginning. He grew up as a sibling in a disability family, and so today we're going to talk about a piece that I wrote that's coming to you soon, a PDF resource that we will make available to you, and it's all about what the siblings in a disability family need to hear from you. This was born out of really our own family story. As you know, if you've been following the podcast, Luke was on the podcast, I believe, in season one. Kate was on the podcast in season two. And they both shared candidly about their experiences. And I think they were very kind and they were honest. And since then, we've done some family therapy. And more and more has come out. And I have learned a lot more. I've learned about mistakes. I've learned about what I could have done differently. There are repercussions, no matter what, no matter how intentional we are as parents and involved and attuned. We certainly aren't mind readers. That's something that we all had to acknowledge as a family. I mean, certainly married couples know that. We're not mind readers, but our kids need to understand that we aren't mind readers, and we need to know that our kids are not mind readers either. So Chris Iomo and I are going to touch on a few key points. There are 12 points in this resource that's coming your way. Um, We're going to just talk about a few. And I invited Chris to be a part of this conversation because he is a sibling and he is a therapist. So he has great things to say. I hope that you will listen to this conversation. And when you get the PDF resource in your hands, I hope that you will read it with an open heart and an open mind and just be really reflective, also full of self-compassion and grace. It is not easy to be a parent. It is not easy to be a parent in a disability family. And it is not easy to carry the weight of what the siblings carry. And I don't know about you, but for so many years, I was so worried about them growing up so resentful and so angry and so scathed by the difficult journey that we have had as a family and how difficult at times it is to live with Ryan. Thank you so much for listening to today's conversation. Hi, Chris. Welcome back to the show. Is this like your 10th time being on the show? (laughs) Hey, Jess, I'll have to check my punch card, but I know that around here I get a free sandwich eventually. So, (laughs) Yes, or a free coffee or something. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming back and sharing your expertise, not only as a therapist chiming in, but as a sibling. And you have spoken on this topic before for our audience, whether we've done our in-person events or Mm -hmm. here on the podcast in the past. And um, today we're going to talk about a piece that I wrote that's coming, and it's what the siblings need in a disability family. And I Mm -hmm. did some research you included to (laughs) come up with 12 points, but today we're just going to 
talk about a few. And I would love for you as a sibling to maybe expand on what I've written or what I've said. And this piece is written in a way as if siblings are talking to parents. So Mm -hmm. this is what I need. So we'll just jump into it and take a few of the points that, that you particularly appreciated and we'll we'll see what happens sure sure definitely happy to and i think taking a look at i think it's it's a a great article if we have time to kind of go over majority of your points i think that's it's wonderful and useful what's funny is actually i think my mom just heard one of our earlier podcasts about being a sibling and things like that so it's interesting that you're writing this to the parents about the siblings and i just had the conversation with my mom about talking about being a sibling there's all kinds of meta going on right now oh so great yeah so I think, you know, a few of them stood out and then actually reading your article now that I'm, you know, an adult and in my forties and have kids that are teenagers, some of the things that you wrote about actually stood out in different ways to me too. And we can jump kind of right into that. There's a few of the ones that are more typical to what we've talked about before, but the ones about having a special needs trust and will in place, which it was a really interesting thing in your article that wouldn't have occurred to me until this phase of my life and, and being a little bit older and having kids, but realizing that there was that tension of, you know, somewhere in my head, I was aware that my brother who was three years younger than me would probably, at least in my mind at the time, would outlive my parents and leaving me be responsible. Didn't really put much thought to it at the point other than like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to figure that out. But having that be something that the parents are able to talk about, think about and when the kids are age appropriate, you know, let them know, hey, just so you know, we've got plans in place. You know, there are things that we're going to have either support or whatever it may be. And to be honest, my folks may have done that. I just don't recall. But it is something I think is, was a really good point in your article. Hmm, thank you. Well, I definitely made sure that I included that because along the way in the last 10 years, I've met siblings who specifically said that because their parents died younger than mm. you ever think right. is going to happen and left them with a sibling and there was no plan. There was no savings, not in the child's name because that's not to their benefit, but just maybe something set aside to help with medical Mm -hmm. expenses or caregiving expenses. And I can't imagine how, one, you've lost your parents. Right. And then two, you're now the caregiver and sole Mm. guardian and responsible for a sibling, but you don't really have any guidelines in place. Yeah. And, and I, and I want to say it's not even just having those guidelines in place, not just having the trust and a plan, but you have to discuss it and explain it. It's complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I really liked that point from this phase of my life and and thinking about my own, what happens for my kids kind of planning that isn't fun to think and talk about, but is necessary. And I think that one goes right into a different one of your points, which again, it's kind of more of the one of our return to points of allowing feelings, right? Just as you're talking about that, there's so many mixed feelings of, okay, well, I have to take care of my brother. And I'm also or whoever maybe for me was my brother, but there's also these feelings of responsibility and some feelings of resentment and some feelings of fear and anger and frustration and just confusion. So I really, you know, I think that was pretty close to the top of your list, which is always, you know, a, a top five, top one or two, in my opinion, of what parents can know to be helping out with their child siblings. Absolutely. What I've heard from Luke and Kate in recent years And I thought I did validate, I thought I did open the lines of communication that you can say and feel anything. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned in recent years through family therapy is that we didn't quite, you know, Mm. we didn't quite. And so 
it's really important just to validate the whole scope of thoughts and feelings that they go through. And I know I read this somewhere in a book, everything that the siblings feel, the parents have felt. So it it should be fairly easy to validate versus, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to flip it into some sort of positive life lesson, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, and I think it's, I mean, even with, you know, neuronormative or neurotypical families, you know, making sure we're giving our kids room to feel frustrated and angry with their siblings, right? I think we jump in too often, no matter what the situation with trying to mitigate and and lower the negative feelings and really amplify the positives, but to give more room in general experience. Because there are times when I also have felt the way one of the siblings is feeling about the other sibling, probably (laughs) towards that person. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. So So I think just in general, but but specifically in this one, because I think there's a little bit more built into feeling there's a heaviness or, or not permission to feel negatively towards a special needs sibling. Right. That And there's a lot of guilt associated mm-hmm. with any negative feelings. Right. And if we can just sort of try to eliminate those feelings of guilt, because it's there's, you're not doing anything wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well said. What else stood out to you? Well, number three, or I don't, I'm not sure what the numbers will stay, but the third one on your list, which was just the one-on-one time. And my yeah. folks just listened to one of our podcasts actually about my Disneyland story and realizing just how important those specific times are. You know, whether it's something extravagant like Disneyland, which I saw just raise their prices again. When we were doing this, it was a $26 Disneyland. <laughs> right? So it's a different story now. Um, but something just that really points to the, the one-on-one relationship and the prioritizing some time in that way. You know, time out to go get coffee and a walk to something epic, like a trip together. Right, right. I agree. And definitely that's something that we've incorporated from the beginning with Luke and Kate. And one thing I also want to make sure that I mention is that none of the one-on-one dates and special trips will ever fully compensate for what the siblings Mm -hmm. go through. And Mm -hmm. yet I still believe that it's incredibly important to invest in that time because When you're all together as a family, it just always feels that every bit of attention goes to the the sibling who's affected. Even when you're trying in a family setting all together, whether it's dinner, whether it's an outing, whether it's just hanging out at home, the Mm -hmm. energy in the house just feels like it's all shoved towards the sibling that's affected. So it's good to get out of the house. Right. And I think... Again, some grace for the parents of realizing that also is normal and and required, right? These are not situations where we're choosing, you know, to give this extra attention. Most of the time, it's very much required and necessity. So some grace on the parents side to realize if you're trying to live in a world where that's not happening, pause, talk to some people in your world who can speak some truth to you and realize, no, like, this is part of what this life is, right? You're going to have to focus extra attention and that's okay. Mm, That's so good. Yeah. We need so many reminders for parents just practicing grace and self-compassion. It's, it's Mm -hmm. a tough, tough situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I think, and just in general, again, it's one of those things that is, is normalized to all families and then specifically reinforced and having to be returned to often for special needs families. I wanted to ask you about one of the points that I love and appreciate another therapist who's an adult sibling that I interviewed, Chris. He said it in a more colorful way, like, parents, you need to get your shit together. So (laughs) um, (laughs) we say it a little bit nicer in this article, but I just thought that that was very interesting. I had never read, heard, 
talk to anybody who really said that Mm. parents, you really need to do your own therapy. Mm -hmm. You need to Mm -hmm. make sure you're taking care of yourself for everything that you've been through as a parent, but just even the stuff obviously that you bring into the family. What do you think about that? I love it. I love it. Maybe that's the new tagline on your article. Um, (laughs) Parents get your shit together by Jessica Pate. Um, (laughs) No, I think that's, again, that's just such wisdom in general, but a lot of times in special needs families, we're not afforded the same luxury that we are in more typical families. But so much of how we parent, unfortunately, is just a repercussion and a playing out of my own stuff and my own insecurities and my own fe- uh, feelings and fears and hopes and dreams, things that undoubtedly get damaged and hurt along the way. And if we're not aware of what's going on internally, it's going to end up being the filter that everything I'm perceiving comes in through and then everything that I'm putting back out is a result of. So I think that's a wonderful piece of wisdom to make sure like, how are you doing? Like the thing that's really bothering you is probably going to be pretty obvious and also not be the place you're feeling the most prepared to parent your child through, right? If I'm wrestling with how much I resent the situation I'm in, how am I ever going to give permission for my kids to have any resentment or negative emotion? Because I'm so locked up in my own unprocessed grief that it likely will not be good at giving space to the kids and perpetuating this cycle for everybody. Oh, I can see that completely. I can com- I can reflect mm-hmm. back when I was in the thick of a grief season. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically one of the kids complaining and I just like pounced like mama bear, like he or she, I can't remember if it was Luke or Kate. They weren't mm-hmm. allowed to complain about whatever was going on with Ryan. And I, you know, it was just me being in the the thick of it, resenting exactly, you said it perfectly, just resenting the journey, resenting how altered our life was, resenting how hard the season was and not able to just pause at all. Yeah. Especially for the parents that do so much, there's this over-function that that has to be done. And the end result of unacknowledged and, and processed over-functioning is resentment, right? So I'm doing all this, trying to hold it together, putting so much attention into my child who has the special needs, then trying to do this for all my other children too. And then they have some kind of complaint and all of a sudden it's, you're so ungrateful. How Do you have any idea how hard I'm working or whatever the thing may be that is true, genuine feelings of the parents? But if we don't have some space to process that, our kids are going to be getting the the outcome and the the junk, right? It's the shit. true. It's true. Yeah. Right. And and it's not our best. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't recall ever being you know reprimanded for that way. Again, you know, you might want to interview my mom one day. Okay. But she, I don't remember that, but I definitely don't remember complaining. So I think that same place of being given permission of, I know this is really hard, how are you, like giving permission for the negative might've drawn that out. But I just remember that not even being a permission or a thought in my head and where that came from, I'm not completely sure, but we're back to the parents recognizing this is difficult and we're going to have negative emotions about every situation. So if we can acknowledge that and talk about it, it takes the pressure out of, and all of a sudden it's not this scary monster in the corner. We can acknowledge it and talk about it. Right. So being the parent, being the leader with emotional health and intelligence is paramount. And to do that, the parents need to be aware of their own emotion and what might be in the way. That is like, that is quotable right there. That was really good. I appreciate that. No, that was really, really good. Really good. What else, Chris? What else stood out to you from this? One of your other points was kind of having open conversations about the diagnosis and the medical concerns and prognosis. I think that's really important, again, in an age-appropriate place to not be putting a lot of false hope 
to not be in a place where we're doomsday. For me, I remember we grew up in, you know, in a Christian home and I read all the time in the Bible about, you know, people being healed and really so badly wanting that, but then living in this world where I couldn't really acknowledge it or talk about it, but I was really frustrated and confused of, well, why wouldn't God heal him? So giving room to talk about the reality of like, here's the situation. Here's what this is called. Here's what's going on. Here's what this probably looks like. You know, if, if you're a believer, you know, God is amazing and can interact with us in a miraculous way. He may not as well. Right. So giving more room to understand and be able to interact with it appropriately instead of being locked in a, a child's head, which doesn't have all the information, doesn't have a fully uh, developed brain, trying to make sense of something that is so impossible to make sense of. What would you say if parents are listening and they're saying, but I am, I'm afraid that's going to put fear or that's going to put heaviness in my child's head. I, mm-hmm. I, I can, can I just candy coat it, please? Right. No. What would I, you say? Oh, my heart breaks just thinking about it. And again, this is with an age appropriate conversation, right? We're not going to tell a grade school or the same thing we're going to tell a high schooler. But I, I would say the hard part is having to realize we can't protect them from the reality. We can't protect them from... I'm now trying to protect your understanding of reality. So I'm trying to manage this over here and manage your sibling when the reality is, what if we can share that together? And that's part of what's needed to be processed. You know, mm-hmm. I have you know, some close friends and know some people who have a prognosis that they're not good. And that the reality is there is going to be significant heartache and pain in the near future. And to try and protect our age-appropriate siblings from that is a disservice to the parent and the child. Because then, again, the the, the emotion, the essence of what's going on is going to be picked up on, right? All that mm-hmm. stuff that happens non-verbally. So the point to be responding to something's off. I'm not quite getting the truth. This doesn't quite feel authentic. And then they're going to have to start putting the story together in their head. And most likely, if parents aren't giving them the whole story, they're going to have to fill in those blanks on their own from whatever age their mind is. And that probably isn't going to be beneficial as well. And is either going to lead to this candy-coated, you know, it's everything's going to be great and then a huge upset when something bad does happen. Mm. Or the opposite where you're anticipating much, much worse. Mm-hmm. So that's the hard part of recognizing, you know, what, what does age-appropriate mean? What kind of diagnosis and prognosis are we talking about? And, uh, you know, getting some help from some professional or from a pastor, from somebody in your life who can help process that together. Because again, there's going to be heartache. There's going to be confusion. I think if some of us are honest, there's also a sense of relief, right? I remember recognizing that too and talking to my folks about mm-hmm. that towards the end of Andrew's life. Of There is a sense of relief that comes with this, a, excruciating pain at the idea. And then right behind that kind of this deep exhale. Yeah, big exhale. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's okay to say that. I, it's okay to talk about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what it's like as a sibling. I know as a daughter, what it Mm. felt like losing my mom. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, when she had cancer, it was intense and scary and sad. And when she passed, there was relief. It was devastating because it's final and Mm -hmm. it's over. But I like how you said that relief comes right behind it. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to say that out loud and talk Mm -hmm. about that and normalize that because Mm -hmm. there's so much that you carry as a family Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And that may be in, in some that are more around the corner outcomes and others that are just going to be, you know, there's going to be a long life of having a sibling this way, but eventually there will be some something that comes up or this is the prognosis of this is probably going to be who they are for the majority of their life into a natural old age. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I was coming from the perspective of my brother didn't make it past 19. Um, right. But that's, again, that was unique to our story. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you too about the point where it said, please 
So again, this is if a sibling is talking to a parent, Mm -hmm. please do not make me into a little parent. Mm -hmm. That's hard. I mean, Mm -hmm. I read that when, when Ryan was diagnosed and I started reading up on things. And I remember this one particular book, Nobody's Perfect by Nancy Miller. And she has a, a chapter on siblings and she expressed not giving extra responsibility mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the siblings, but in some ways it feels really hard. And especially, you know, we've got parents who may not have extra help. They may not have right. respite babysitters. They may not have the financial means to hire extra help. And so mm-hmm. the siblings are called upon to help but yet we also need to preserve their childhood and their growing up experience as not a little adult and parent. It's hard. It is so hard. It is so hard. And for those families that are able to have that outside help to alleviate some of that burden, that's wonderful and so needed and such a blessing. And then other families, to your point, we need to share the load a little bit. Um, So back to the openness and emotional awareness of acknowledging, hey, you were a really big help today, but I want you to know you're not another parent. You were really helpful, you know, and then name them or whatever it is. But just to to identify this is what's going on and I, and to not let it be something that becomes its own narrative and, and family mm-hmm. role. Because the reality is mm-hmm. it's going to happen. Older siblings are going to often have to be many parents in one way or another. Hold your sibling's hand. Can you grab that for me? You know, there are things that we can't yes. escape. And I think we can't create this sterile environment where an older sibling never has to feel parentified in any way. The reality is... Are we able to recognize it and articulate it? Are we able to see it and then have a conversation with with the sibling about what was going on? How'd you feel about that? You kind of had to be a little parent today, didn't you? What was that like for you? You know, I, I don't want you to have to be a little parent. I don't want you to ever feel like it's your responsibility, but I really appreciated your help today. You know, being able mm-hmm. to speak to the fullness of it, just like with everything else, whether it's in, you know, couples I work with or individuals, the idea of repair over perfection is always mm. this freedom giving, grace filled space of perfection is not our ideal. Doing this perfectly throughout and from the the onset is impossible and is only going to lead to shame, right? So recognizing, no, we're going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. Bad things are going to happen. I'm going to do the exact same thing I apologize for today again sometime. So if we can work on shortening that time between rupture and repair, fully attending to each other, I think that's what's going to produce the most well-rounded, joy-filled, successful people, right? Realizing that it doesn't have to be fragile and scary at the idea of a rupture. Mm, that's so good. I love that. I so appreciate that. I mean, I'm working on repair now that my mm-hmm. kids are almost grown. It's crazy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God repair is mm-hmm. powerful and it's possible for yeah. sure. For sure. And, you know, in, in, I don't want to say normal families, in neurotypical families, neuronormative, I like how you used that word earlier. I mean, you do, siblings do help. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just kind of part of being a family, right? You do Mm -hmm. help each other out. So we're not talking about just the the little things. We're talking about the bigger responsibilities of caring for the sibling. Or becoming the emotional support for a parent, right? There's a place where we share, but normally as the parent, we're not depending on our kids to be our end of the day process. We're not unloading our frustrations and heartaches onto our kids. Um, Again, Mm. that's just a basic you know, guideline in general, but specifically for this again, do we have somewhere where we're learning how to process and then we're teaching our kids by modeling how to process? I might share Mm -hmm. with my kids, I'm really struggling. This is really hard, but I want to be doing that from a place of I'm modeling how you can feel this too. 
I'm not leaning on you to manage my emotions. I'm showing you this is how you can recognize and manage emotions. This is how different feelings can start to bleed in and impact different areas of my life that have nothing to do with it. But my feeling mm-hmm. from earlier today is now very much alive and well in our conversation now. So we want to be leading mm-hmm. from a place or you know, leave an example of how to manage emotion, not depending on our kids to sit there and absorb our metaphorical tears or literal tears, I suppose. <laughs> yes. No, that's such a good reminder. That's a really, really good reminder, especially as they get older. It mm-hmm. would be easy to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And this happens all the time in all kinds of scenarios, right? Complaining about spouses mm-hmm. or work days. There's a place where our kids become more peer-like and we can engage and share a little give and take. But for what we're talking about, our kids need us to have our shit together, to quote your other therapist friend, and realize <laughs> we're going to lead by example. I'm going to show you how to regulate emotion. And that starts mm-hmm. with being very much aware of emotion. Mm-hmm. Anything else before we go, Chris, that really stood out to you that you want to make sure that, yes, this was a great point. I'm so glad that this is included. Yeah, I think all every point is a great point and needs to be discussed. So there is nothing, okay. you know, nothing that should be eliminated or isn't valuable. Um, the four or five that we talked about are the ones that kind of stood out if we were short on time. Hey, these are the ones mm-hmm. that really jumped out at me. I like right. the one about it's okay if I don't go into a helping profession. It's okay if I survive this and then want to be a financial manager. <laughs> Which wasn't, that, didn't, that wasn't a conscious decision in, in my life. Or, or the way I chose things, but I thought that was funny and appreciated that too. Of you're allowed mm-hmm. to have different interests. You're allowed to let this be something that you did well through the effort that you were in. But hey, if you want to get as far away from this as possible for your profession, that's fine. As long as yes. we're still recognizing you're not running away from your emotion, right? We're still processing your feelings about this. But if that leads you, there is no requirement of you'd be such a good social worker or therapist or nurse, you know. Those may be appropriate comments, but recognizing, but you are free to be anything. Right. And again, I think like you've said many, many times, it's proactively communicating that. Mm -hmm. Don't say it once. Don't assume your kid knows that -hmm. they have the freedom to choose whatever their career calling vocation is, but make sure you say it out loud. Your experiences may draw you towards a healing or helping profession. But if you want to go be a fashion designer, go be a fashion designer. I mean, you can do whatever you want. There is, there is no limit. There is no expectation. So good. Right. This is going to be part of your story. It doesn't have to be the entire story, right? Like this season of your life, what this meant is is part of the the foundation of what you're made out of. Ah, There's Mm -hmm, a phrase mm -hmm. I love and I'm totally blanking on it because it's earlier than I normally start. Um, (laughs) But essentially, right, that this, this is part of their story and they're not bound to that for the rest of their life, but it can be something to look back on and realize Mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe that's what helped them be a financial planner or a fashion designer, or that perspective gave them a nuanced way to see things. It's, it's okay that that becomes part of where you've come from and not where you end. That's okay. That's okay. Well, Chris, thank you as always, always, always for your expertise and your heart and just supporting We Are Brave together. Yeah, always. definitely. It's a pleasure and it's an honor and I look forward to my next punch card stamp. Okay, great. We will come up <laughs> with a topic and we'll have you back. Sounds great. Thanks, Jess. Thanks so much for listening today. Do us a favor and leave us a review and a rating so that this podcast can get into the ears and the hearts of more and more moms. Did you know that Brave Together podcast is an extension of our nonprofit organization called We Are Brave Together? 
We Are Brave Together serves an international community of caregiving moms by offering support groups that are virtual and in-person, educational resources, and low-cost weekend retreats. And we offer retreat scholarships. We represent all 50 of the United States and 21 countries around the world. We are here to remind you that you are not alone. You are braver and stronger than you think, and that girlfriends who get you are sacred and mandatory. To join us today, go to wearebravetogether.org. Our support and sisterhood await you.